Anyway, thank you so much for being here. You, uh, isn't it awesome when you make it on week one of a series? You're there at the ground floor. You are in week one of a brand new series called Baggage. Now, let me tell you what I know about you. You've got baggage. I know that because I have baggage, and everybody I've ever talked to has baggage. You've got, and I, I think I used this term last week somewhat inappropriately, I said you got junk in your trunk, and I wasn't referring to like your posterior area. I was saying like you literally, you got, you got luggage coming out the wazoo. You got it in the front seat, the back seat, the trunk. You got backpacks you carried around on you. And, and, and some people, how many you know, like the people that really carry lots of baggage, they're obvious, aren't they? Like... You can just see it on them. Others of us carry like smaller things, uh, you know, smaller purses, smaller handbags, a European man bag. We got we have different kinds of baggage that we carry. Some some looks some is easier to conceal is what I'm getting at. Some baggage is so the person that has an addictive nature, it's obvious how they're destroying their life. But the person who has guilt hidden in their heart, they've got they've got some more concealed baggage. They've just pushed it up underneath the seat. You can't see it for now. Given enough time, it'll it'll eventually come out. And I've just learned that we all have some baggage. We get it from our childhood. We get it from our relationships. We get it from bad experiences that we had here. Let me let me boil it down to this. I think our our, our baggage usually comes from this right here. Unfulfilled expectations, untreated pain, unresolved yesterdays, an unhealthy view of ourselves, and unrepented sin. I think most of our baggage can kind of be lumped into one of those categories. And so because of all those unresolved issues of our heart, we end up with fear, don't we? We have these weird fears that paralyze us and keep us from doing and living the way we want to live. We, we have weird guilt that, that just absolutely bottles us up inside. We have, we have anger issues. Today, obviously, like this is going to cover a lot of y'all. Uh, we, we, here, here's why I know that. I, I did a little bit of a research on anger. Y'all want to hear? Listen, this is, this is how I know this is, this is us. 50% of people who can come in for counseling have problems dealing with anger. So just right out the gate, we're, we're pretty much 50-50. So everybody over here, y'all have anger issues. Everybody over here, y'all are okay. Y'all got other baggage. Um, hey, here, here's a great one. Airlines reported 1,400 plus significant or serious acts of air rage. Has anybody ever had air rage? Okay, let, real quick. Anybody ever wanted to have air rage? Yeah, yeah, dude. I had the worst day in the world. I was, I was like, my, my family was in Montana, and I was supposed to go meet them there, and I was taking a, a flight a day or two later, and I got stuck in a, and it was all their fault, too. This is, this is what makes you crazy. It's, it was all their fault, and I got stuck in Utah in one terminal for like 10 hours. I promise, like, like, when you get so angry, you're like, I am on the verge of losing it. I, I almost lost it that day. My wife will attest to that. Like, I so, and, and my buddy Vito, I finally, because he was there in Montana too. When I got there, I think I got there at 1 a.m. and they had had steaks earlier that night. He cooked me a steak at 1 a.m. just to make me feel better. And that's a good, that's a good friend. Um, air, air rage. Okay, 25% of you have committed acts of road rage. Do you want to have confession right now? Have you ever had road rage? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ever beat your steering wheel, flip somebody off, cuss somebody out? Yeah. How many of you are fun people? You sing in the car and people look at you and make fun of you. Yeah, you're better to be you than the anger people. Oh, this is a great one. Half of you have reacted to your computer by hitting it or hurling parts of it around or screaming or abusing your colleagues. Anybody want to own that? Half of you. How many of you ever hit your computer? Hey, go Apple. You won't do that anymore. When I was a PC guy, I used to, yeah. So, 
So anyway, we, we all have some baggage, and today we want to we tackle the baggage of anger. Because I, I want to say at least half of us deal with it. How many of you want to go ahead and just admit, like, okay, anger can be sometimes an issue for me. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I'm going to go ahead and let the cat out of the bag. I, at times, battle and deal with anger. And, and I ask myself at times, like, wh- why am I like this? Because you ever get like that? Because either, either you hopefully challenge yourself, or if not, your friend or spouse will eventually. Like, why are you so angry? Why are you getting so mad? And, and I realized, like, we make lots of excuses for our anger sometimes, don't we? Here's some of the excuses I get. Well, like, like that's just the way that I am. It's my personality. I, I'm not angry. That's just me. It's just me being me. But like, no, you're angry. And you are angry. That is your issue. You're, you can't divorce. That is you. You are an angry person. They're like, that's my person. And I'll give it to you. There are certain personality temperaments that lean towards anger and some peaceful little butterflies. But, but you, I don't, I don't think you want to just say it's just my personality. How many of you know there, that anger is a cultural thing? Nobody, nobody's going to own up to that. Like, like I'm a white guy. And, and, and when I grew up, all I had was white people and black people. That's all we had in South Carolina. We didn't have other people's. So I moved to California back in 2002, and there's every people's. Not in Livermore, San Jose. Livermore is smaller numbers of people's. San Jose, all kinds of people's. As a matter of fact, it was, it was culture shock for me. And I was around so many new ethnic groups that I had never seen before. And then I'd have these encounters with certain ethnic groups. And I'm not going to dime y'all out. But I, I'd have certain encounters with ethnic groups. And I just learned, and I'd have conversations with them. Well, they're just angry people. Like, as a people, culturally, they are angry. And I, like I said, I'm not even going to dime you out because I don't want to give you the excuse to say, well, I'm this or I'm that. And we're just, we're just fiery people. No, get angry. Um, and this is not usually an excuse we make. It's usually something we get blamed for by our spouse. But typically, sometimes we get anger from our parents. Like, and so, like, dad was angry. And so now you angry. And then now your wife is just like, you're just like your father. He was crazy and you're crazy, too. So you have inherited anger. How many of you, how many of you want to own it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got some anger from my pops or from my mom or whatever it is. So yeah, we either get it, we either get it from our culture. And if it's come our personality, we can just blame God. God, you made me this way. Or we get it from our parents. We, we have somebody to blame about where our anger comes from. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just go ahead and you're somewhat right. But that doesn't make it okay to completely excuse all the craziness that comes from our anger. And here's what I've really learned. This is true for all people. All people are angry. And I I wrote it down like this, and it's going to take a while for you to believe me that this is true. But anger comes when we don't get what we want. Thank you for that encouraging amen. This is the truth right here. If you boil it down to the root far enough... What you'll find is is that you get angry every time you don't get what you want. Isn't that the truth? And sometimes sometimes this includes what we deserve. Sometimes this just includes what we think we deserve. But deserve is sometimes mixed into this. And so we get angry. You ever thought about, let me tell you what makes me angry. I'm going to have a personal confession. This is like Catholic Church. I'm going to come, this is my, my booth. And you are my priest. Are you ready? People that make me crazy angry. Are you ready? Telemarketers. Oh, dear Lord, this makes me so mad. Solicitors who ignore the no soliciting sign in my office. 
dear Lord, I, I, I have Jesus in my heart, but so badly do I want to say, did you not read that big sign on my front door that said, no soliciting, they will come and sell you something. Okay. Bad cell service. Isn't that the worst? Like I got Verizon. I don't got that issue no more. Like I, I used to have, I used to have a different company. I was with, um, well, I don't want to say their name. I was with ATN No. I don't want to reveal who it was, so I'll just give them a fake name. I was with ATN No. And I could drop calls anywhere, everywhere, all the time, and it would make you so mad you would want to throw your phone. Anybody ever throwing your phone out the windows? Anybody ever, yeah, yeah. It didn't feel good to get it off your chest. Okay. Um, bad internet speed. Any, anybody? Is, hey, y'all want to hear something crazy? In my office right now, I don't know what Matt has done in our office, but Matt has jacked up the internet to where, like, literally, I cannot get internet service in my office at my desk. I have to walk around, and I'm telling you, the hot spot is in front of the women's bathroom door right now. That's, and I'm like, Matt, you better fix that, or you are going to be fired. So anyway, okay, um, being kept on hold. When, and when you need something from them and they done jacked it up and you're like on the edge and then they put you on hold forever. Um, oh, I hate this one too. The, the window they give you. You know, like when a service person needs to come to your house and they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll be here between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m. So just hang out right around there. Boy. And they come at 8.55 every time. So, um, traffic. Everybody hate traffic? Traffic jam. Uh, bad drivers. Slow drivers in the left lane. Get out of our way. Just get out. Um, people who talk during movies. Shh. Please be quiet. Oh, I hate this one. I hate this one. I'm getting ready in the morning, and I put on my socks, and I have to walk back in the bathroom, and then there's water on the floor, and I get my fresh sock in water. Oh, Satan. Oh, oh, oh. Request to Farmville. Stop it. Stop it. And your dumb cat picture. Stop it. That's Facebook anger. Um, now, my wife, every once in a while, will snore a little bit. There's nothing. Yeah, you don't know because I love you. I don't tell you stuff. I just say, babe, roll over, and then it stops. So when you're, when you're trying to fall asleep and you can't fall asleep and people are snoring, yeah, you're pointing them out right now. I was at a pastor's retreat. This is a few years ago. I was at a pastor's retreat, and they stuck all of us dudes in different rooms, and each room had two or three beds in it. And, and I was with this guy, and he was a pastor. Uh, he snored so bad. And what was, what was worse was is you couldn't leave that room to go to another room because literally there was a snoring beast in every single room, okay? It was the only time in my life I actually got so angry I thought if I just take a pillow, I could cover, just breathe, shh, just breathe. I didn't do it, y'all. Don't judge me. Y'all have had worse thoughts than that. Don't you dare judge your pastor up in here. Because we all, did, now, I, I, so I, now I'm free now, okay? I'm free. Now, I'm going to encourage you. So you guys say, confess your anger issues. It, it just, it'll help you get to that next level. I'm going to talk about how to resolve your anger in just a minute. But I just want you to start with confession. There ain't nothing wrong with confessing and getting out of the table. Because the worst thing you can do is be in denial and act like you're not the angry issue, but all your friends and your loved ones know that it's you. So just go ahead and own it so that you can bring it to Jesus. And so here's what I want to help you see today is that anger is, is actually not always a 
bad thing. See, actually in churches, anger gets a bad rap. And Christianity has, has moved into a, a time period where, where Christian men are asked to be something other than manly sometimes. And, and they want you to be sweet. And I think that's unfair to men to say, well, you need to be sweet. Uh, sometimes we're not sweet. Sometimes you need to be fierce. Sometimes you need to be strong. You need to be all those other things. And so like, so anger is not always a bad thing according to scripture. Can I tell you that? Like anger isn't always bad. As a matter of fact, listen to this in Ephesians chapter four, verse 26. It says, be angry, but don't sin. Like, did you read this for like, everybody say, be angry. For some of you, that's already your motto. Um, just be angry. You, some of you are like, you're like, see, God's with me on this one. Be angry, and but do you keep reading? Be angry, but don't sin. Be angry, but don't get crazy. Be angry, but don't kick the cat. Be angry, but don't get stupid. Be angry, but don't hurt nobody. Be it's okay to be angry. Now, how you process your anger, how you reflect your anger, what you do with your anger. Now, that's a biblical issue. But the, as a matter of fact, there's something the Bible refers to as kind of like a righteous indignation. There, there is a biblical anger that's actually fairly healthy. You want to see one? Check this out. Go to, uh, go to John chapter 2 with me here. Uh, uh, the Bible says that at the Passover of the Jews, while it was at hand, that Jesus went to Jerusalem and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. Y'all need to read this next verse slowly. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the ox and poured out the changers money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold this stuff, he said, take these things and get out. Don't make my father's house a house of merchandise. And then his disciples remember what is written. It said, zeal for your house has eaten me up. And so Jesus got angry. I don't know if you know this or not. There's, this is what you need to know. You've got to picture this is happening. Don't gloss over this. Jesus is so hacked off at the level of corruption that's taking place in the church that he's, he doesn't go in and address it. He doesn't, hey, guys, we need to talk. I'd like to just have a meeting with all of you. I'd really like to share with you what's on my heart today about what's happening here. I want to share. Can I share with you guys? No, no. He's like, mm, hold on. Makes a whip. Comes back. See, we think Jesus was the dude with the lamb. They don't make pictures of this one, do they? Now, let me tell you, the, the, the thing that was happening was so corrupt that it made him so infuriated. What they were doing was, um, you were a traveler uh, to Jerusalem during the time of Passover. It was one of three feast seasons where you were to travel to Jerusalem and present a sacrifice to God and have a festival and remember and honor God. So when you traveled, though, it was sometimes hard just to take your oxen, goat, dove, sheep with you. And so what you would do is, is you would buy it once you got there. But see, who were the people that were in control of all the flocks and the herds? The priests were. These dudes were. So they're out back with their huge flocks. But then when you come to Passover, it's like it's like buying nachos at a football game. They will charge you $100 for some nachos because they're the only nachos in the football stadium, right? Well, when you got the only sheep, dove, oxen, whatever it is, they start jacking up the price 
for people just trying to come and honor God. The other, they, they, had, they had two scams running. The other was the money changers. What they were doing was is that anybody that came to town that had a different currency, how many know you'd have an exchange rate to get the proper currency so you could buy the inflated goods? And so they were literally jacking up money on the goods and then jacking up money on the, uh, on the exchange rate. They were basically profiteering off of people trying to love and honor God. Now, how many know that makes Jesus crazy? There was no discussion. There was no sharing. There was a whip and flipping tables. So, I just wanted to say that to let you know that sometimes there's a righteous anger and there's a righteous indignation. And, 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 and listen, this is the type of anger that leads you to make a kingdom difference. There are certain atrocities in our world that were only resolved because somebody finally got hacked off enough. When you see people put into slavery and you eventually you're like, something ain't right about that. And they let it go for so long until they can't take it no more until they finally say, we're going to do something about this. We're going to fight. We're going to go to battle. We're going to, we're going to, we will do whatever it takes to get to, does that make sense? Like when you look at like, whether it was civil rights or, or women rights or, 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 or slavery or different atrocities in the world, at some point you got to be mad enough to go do something. Now, now you got to be careful what you do, but you still need to get mad enough to go do something. In our day right now today, the biggest issue that I think is not being talked about enough is the issue that we have in the realm of sex, trade, and trafficking of human people. It is despicable what people are doing. And here's what you need to know, because it sounds like it'd be something in some other part of the world. The Bay Area is one of the worst places in America when it comes to human trafficking. We're talking about child labor and sex labor. It is the second most profitable business inside of, uh, of criminal activity in the world. And the reason why is because when you sell a drug one time, it's gone. But when you sell a little girl, you can flip her in an hour. It, it is awful. And somebody eventually needs to be angry enough and somebody needs to go pound the fist and, and flip tables and make a whip and do so. I, I, what I'm trying to tell you is like not all anger is bad anger. Sometimes anger gets stuff done. And that's, there's nothing wrong with that. So, like, be angry. But don't sin about it. That's what Paul said. Now, most of us could get more angry at the injustices of the world. We could probably do better there. But for the most part, that's not our issue. Most of us, our issue is the anger in which uh, gets in our heart, and then we spew it out all over our, our, our marriage. We, we spew it out onto our kids. We spew it out onto our friends and our colleagues and our loved ones. Can, can I get a what what? Okay. So, so, so there's the righteous anger. But most of us, I'm not like, hey, calm down. I'm never having to reel you in because of righteous anger. I've yet to do that. I'm having to reel you in about the crazies. Does that make sense? Because what Paul said in Ephesians 4 was be angry, but don't sin. Here, here let me give you some sinful ways, because this is what we do with our anger, the, the unrighteous anger. This is how we sin. Number, number one is this, is that our unrighteous anger leads us to sin when it is expressed through violence. Like, this is always bad. You just need to know. It ain't okay. It's not okay for you to go too far, for you to lay hands on somebody in a physical way to violently threaten them. Does that, that, that is not Okay, uh, what's fascinating is this, is, is that in, in Genesis, the very first family is Adam and Eve, and they got two kids named what? Cain and Abel. And Cain and Abel get into an argument and a dispute, 
and listen to what happens. I want you, I want you to read what Jesus or what God says to Cain. In verse six, the Bible says, so the Lord speaks to Cain and says, why are you angry? Now, you need to know this. This is this is nuggety goodness for, for Bible right here. Whenever God asks a question in Scripture, you need to know that God is not asking a question because he lacks for information. Right. So whenever he's asking an inf- or asking a question, it's because you lack for information. And it's probably not that you lack for information. You lack for perspective. And so God opens with like Cain. Why are you angry? Why? Well, just, it's just who I am. It's my personality. My, my, my grandfather was angry and my dad was angry. I'm just angry. That's just who we are. Angry people. No, no, you're tripping. It's what you are. You need to get to the root and find out why you are angry. Because somewhere along the line, I guarantee you, the reason why you're angry is because someone stole something from you. You think somebody owes you. You did not get what you wanted, and you did not get what you thought you deserved. It might be going back to a childhood experience or a past relationship, but somewhere buried in your heart, there's a reason why you are angry, and it's because you didn't get what you wanted. Some of you were neglected as children, and your dad was never around. You know what? You didn't, get, you, you didn't get the love and affection that a dad should give to their kids, and so you're angry about it. So then what you do is you put that anger down in there, and it bottles up in your heart, and here, but here's the problem, though. Every future relationship engages with the same heart that down inside of it holds the anger. And so your anger ends up coming out. Because you ever notice this? You ever notice that truly angry people eventually are angry about everything? Why? Because it's in there and it festers and it grows. And now you're not just angry because your dad didn't do or did do this or your mom did do or didn't do that. Or when I was a little kid, this. Or do you know what she did to me in my first marriage and my this? And, it, It eventually bubbles up to where you start having it affect every relationship. The anger that used to be pointed towards one person at one time now is everywhere. Why are you angry? That's a powerful question, isn't it? God doesn't ask questions for no reason. He asks them because they're they're penetrating. Why are you angry? At some point, you might need to pinpoint what you missed out on, what you lost, when you didn't get what you wanted or what you deserved. Because some of you, you're justifiably angry. Some of you have been abused. I'm not saying you shouldn't be angry. I'm saying you have every right to be angry. I don't want to take that away from you. What I will tell you this, though, is that if you don't allow God to heal that and to help you, and if you don't learn how to process that anger, it's going to hurt you in the long run. I'm not saying you don't deserve to be angry. You do. Some of you have have gone through stuff that I couldn't even imagine. You have every right to be angry, every right to be hurt, every right to be offended. But if you live with it, that's what the Bible says. I'll, I'll get to it in just a minute. So, so the Bible says, why are you angry? And why is your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door. So what he's saying is this, is that when you harbor anger long enough, sin is waiting for you. And its desire is for you, but you should rule over it. Meaning like, even though you're angry, you're about to do something crazy. It doesn't have to control your life. I just want to help you real quick here this morning. For those of you who are angry, some of you think that you are a prisoner to that anger and you can't get free. I'm telling you, you can. Some of you think that's just the way I've always been. I don't know how to shake it. I will always be this way. I'm telling you, that is a lie from the pit of hell. You don't have to carry that stuff anymore. You don't. Now, you keep telling yourself that and you will. I'm telling you, you don't. The Bible's good. Let's keep reading. Verse 8, now Cain killed Abel. Or now Cain talked with Abel, his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. He didn't resolve it. Didn't work that out. 
wasn't able to give that to the Lord. Wasn't able to process that just right. And he allowed his anger to turn towards something violent. What I'm telling you is this. When your anger turns to violence, you have sinned. You have sinned before God. You have sinned against those people that you have hurt. That is when anger is no good. You've got to be careful. I'm telling you, be careful when, you know, like, and and it starts off small. We start off with, like, kicking the dog. Don't kick the dog. We start with, like, punching things. You ever punch punch things? I bumped into a guy not too long ago, and he had a thing on his wrist. I'm like, did you you get mad and punch the wall? I just was joking. (laughs) He's like, yeah. Yeah, it was like, no, that's exactly what I did. I got mad. I got so angry that I, I think he punched the refrigerator. Which you're going to leave a dent in that refrigerator, by the way. You're not gonna, it's not going to look pretty. Hey, I still have a door. My, my, my mom has just done a renovation of my house. I'll tell you part of the reason why. is because I lived there as a child. And, and as a child, I would get so angry. And me and my brother would fight and get angry. I had a golf club that I tried to attack my brother with. And I had a, I had a hole, a nine iron hole. You know what a nine iron looks like? There's a nine iron hole in my old bedroom door. Why? I'd get so... How many of you, when you were your kids, you'd get so angry, your face would turn red, you would become the rage monster. You were like the Hulk, like, you won't like me when I'm angry. And you would just flip out and go bananas. Now, hopefully you grew out of that. But let's be honest, some of us don't. When we get to our highest point of anger, we lose it. I'm telling you, today is the day that you need to resolve your anger issues. If you ever get to a point where you're so angry you can't control yourself, it is a clear indicator. You've got too much anger. We need to resolve that today. Everybody say today. today. When you wish will ill upon people, when you hope they die, when you hope, when you want to put the pillow over their face, just breathe. No. It's gone too far. Be, care- be careful of your motives when you think about other people. I heard this one story about this woman who... Um, she had just been divorced and was a bitter divorce. She was so angry at her ex-husband. And, and to try to find peace, she, she literally took a small vacation, was walking along the beach trying to find peace. She actually found a bottle, and she began to rub that bottle. This is clearly a true story. She began to rub that bottle, and a genie appeared. And, and the genie came out and did what genies do and offered, how many wishes do you get? You get three wishes. So she said, he said, look, but I'm a genie who is against divorce. And the fact that this is all about, you're, you're angry about that, like, here's what you need to know. Whatever you wish, I'm going to give your husband, your ex-husband, ten times whatever you ask for, okay? I just want you to know that. And so the first thing she thinks, she goes, all right, three wishes, I'm going to do this smart. And goes, Number one, I want a billion dollars. And he goes, okay, that's fine, but just know your husband's going to get ten billion dollars, right? She said, that's fine, I, I'm okay with that. And, and then she said, you know what else I want? Not only to go with my billion dollars, I want my own tropical island. I want my own island that's just for me, that I can be at peace. I want my, okay, she, that's fine. But realize that your husband is going to get 10 tropical islands. Okay? She goes, I'm okay with that. And then for the third wish, she thought about it long enough. I know what I want now. And she goes, and he stopped. He said, whatever you're, you're going to ask for, just remember your husband gets 10. She goes, I want twins. I want twins. I want twins. Be careful to monitor your, your motive. When you think about other people and you wish them will ill, or you hope they get what's coming to them, or you hope they get what they... Be careful about hoping people get what they deserved. Let me tell you why. It's because that's the opposite of Christianity. The beauty of Christianity has to do with the idea of grace. And grace is this. Grace is, is that you don't get what you do deserve when it comes to punishment, and you actually get love and mercy even when you don't deserve it. Does that make sense? God is not fair. 
And we ought to be happy that he is not fair. Because sometimes we get mad at things and we're like, well, that's just not fair. Life ain't fair. And neither is God. And you don't want him to be fair. Because if God was fair, you would get everything coming to you. Now, how many of you want that? No hands. How many of you want grace, mercy, and forgiveness, love, and compassion from your Heavenly Father? Yeah, yeah, that's what we all want. So you don't get what you do deserve, and you actually get some stuff that you, you don't deserve. So be careful about the motive of your heart, hoping somebody gets theirs. It's an indicator that anger is harboring in your heart. Number two is this, when anger is, is not just expressed through violence, but when it's expressed through verbal abuse. Be careful, because some of you would say, well, I've never hit her. Yeah, but you might as well have with all the stuff, the insults and the, the condemnation and the criticism and the name calling. Well, I've never I've, I've never poisoned his food. Yeah, but you, you've demasculated him with every comment that you've ever made. Like your words have power. Jesus or not Jesus, but Solomon said that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Be careful when your anger It's an indicator when your words start becoming so harsh, so mean, so critical. Listen to what these words this is what Jesus said. He said, you've heard it said of old, don't murder people. And whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. Jesus is like, that's good. That's still right on. I'm good with that. But I'm also telling you that whoever is angry, everybody say angry. Whoever is angry with your brother without a cause shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, everybody say Raka. You all just cussed at church. Um, shall be in danger of the council. And whoever says you fool will be in danger of hellfire. And you're like, I cussed at church today. It was crazy. Um. This was their this was their way of saying you jerk, you idiot, you fool. How you know this was their way of critically demeaning a person. He goes, G Jesus is like you need to monitor your heart because for too long we've been pretty decent at monitoring our actions, and we all can be like, well, I hadn't killed nobody, and that's great and all, but you're not monitoring your heart because in your heart the same anger that eventually leads to murder, why Cain killed Abel, that same anger it's harboring in your heart and you're not actually physically hurting somebody, but with your words you are killing them and tearing them down. Be aware. Number 3 is this is is anger is always bad when it is allowed to linger. It's always bad when it, listen to this. Ephesians chapter 4, I want to read the whole part to you. Be angry. Some of our motto. Be angry and don't sin and don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Now this right here, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. This was a, a common cultural saying. Does that make sense? Like this is not like Paul was inspired by the Holy Spirit and wrote this dynamic phrase. This was like, you know, don't count your chickens before they hatch kind of a thing. You know what I'm talking about? Like your little cultural isms and sayings that we have. This was a cultural ism and saying in their day. And Paul basically said, that's good. Like that's a good one. He says, don't he says, be angry, but don't sin. Don't take it to verbal abuse. Don't take it to violence and don't let it linger. This is this is huge for married couples. Like this is the first time I ever heard this principle applied was was through somebody telling me about marriage. And they would say, Todd, if you get into an argument with your wife, resolve it even before you go to bed. Like, Don't go to bed angry. Don't sleep on that thing. Now, the problem is, is when you get into a fight at 11 p.m., that's tough. So I don't know that it's absolutely literal, but he, here's the way to put it. Like. Do whatever you possibly can to resolve your, ang your anger as soon as possible. That's what Paul would be saying. Like, like, don't let it linger. Don't sit on that thing for a few days, for a few weeks, for a few years. Don't, don't harbor that thing. And he backs it up by saying, nor give place to the devil. This is kind of a unique word because this is like, don't give him an opportunity or don't even give him a room in your house. The Greek word is the Greek word. It's called topos. It's like... So literally what happens is, based on what Paul's saying, is when we get angry and we harbor it. Now, again, you're okay to get angry. 
We can establish that, right? You're okay to be angry. But don't sin with it. He says you don't sin when you get violent. You don't sin by getting verbally abusive with it. You don't, they don't let it linger either. Because when you let it linger, you actually open the door to the devil. Now, I don't know about you, but I believe in the devil. I'm a Bible guy. Funny thing, in America, uh, most people believe in God. The majority of people don't believe in the devil. That's convenient, isn't it? And, and by the way, most Americans, more Americans believe in heaven, and a lot of people don't believe in hell. That, that's convenient too. So um, what he's saying is this. He's saying that when you harbor anger, you literally have like a guest room that you have invited. The de- now, the devil is not even a proper word. It's the word the accuser. But they, in, the, in the English language, we just put in the devil. Does that make sense? It's our best way of kind of phrasing that. The accuser, the enemy of your life, has a guest room now in your heart. Because you've allowed anger to sit and to harbor and to fester and want breakfast in bed. Okay? That's what happens. So don't let it linger. Lastly is this, is when your anger is directed toward God. Anger is always going to be bad when it's directed towards God. And I'll tell you why. Number one is this, you always lose. You can't beat God. And number two, this is the worst part, you're actually cutting yourself off from the source of life and healing. The very thing that you need from God, you're cutting yourself off because you want to blame God. And I'll tell you why. Somewhere along the lines, God didn't give you what you wanted or what you thought you deserved. I told you God's not fair. We don't always get, in the words of McJagger, we don't always get what we want. That's McJagger, right? You can't always get what you want, right? Am I tripping? Y'all are so not helping me out here. Like, you, Thank you. So here's the reality. You cut yourself off from the very person that wants to help you heal you and make you whole again. So when you're angry at God, you're all on your own. Does that make sense? Not only have you cut yourself off from God, but because you've allowed it to linger, you literally created a guest room for the devil. And then you wonder why it bubbles up into every relationship and it comes out of your words and it comes out of your physical actions even. It's because anger is a poison that sits in your heart and will corrode you from the inside out. Jesus said there is a right way to deal with your anger. Now, now again, I said everything today. Just to kind of pinpoint, to show, to shine the light on, to expose. Are you there? You're thinking about your anger? You're thinking about where it may come from? Here's where I want to go is I want God to heal us today. And I want us to begin to let God in. Kick the devil out and let healing take place. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to do three things in overcoming your anger. Now, for some of you, you're you're away from God. And this is the starting place. Number one is this, is you need to find peace with God so that you can have the peace of God. It all starts right there. Like some of you are away from God. You're like, well, I'm at church today. Yeah, but you're away from God. You can be at church every Sunday and be away from God. Well, hey, here's a quick, where's God on Monday morning? Where's God Wednesday afternoon, Thursdays at lunch, Saturday mornings, Saturday nights? Some of y'all definitely Saturday night. Where's God? I'm not talking Sunday morning. In your life. Have you allowed Jesus to penetrate your heart to come in and to be the Lord of your life? Because when you find that peace with God, you will find the peace of God. And the peace is what kind of becomes the remedy to dissolve away the anger, to melt away the anger. That's where some of us need to start. For the rest of us, some of us are in here with like, I, I love Jesus and I read the Bible and I'm trying really hard. I don't want to be angry, but I know that I'm angry. Here's where we need to go. Number two is this, is we need to determine why we're angry and respond with forgiveness. Why are you angry? Know what God said to Cain? Why are you angry? (laughs) I know why you're angry. No, you need to know why you're angry. What has been stolen from you? What did they take from you? Did they take your dignity, your self-worth, your childhood, 
your time? What, what did they take from you? What did you not get that you were owed? What did you not get that, that you deserved? What did you not get that you wanted from that person? What was it? At some point, we have to pull that thing to the surface, recognize what it is that we missed. And we're going to have to let that go. Because some of you are angry at people that have passed away. You ain't getting it back. But God can restore all things. Does that make sense? Some of you, you're angry at a person and they don't even care. They're actually glad that you're angry. They don't even care. But God can heal your heart. I'm telling you that you need to figure out what it is that's been stolen from you. And determine to say, God, I know this was taken, but that's okay because you're with me now. And God, I need you to help me and I need you to heal me. And number three is this, is we need to renew our minds so that we can react biblically. This is like how we, we live in the circumstantial anger. Does that make sense? When the person cuts you off and you want to flip them off and go road rage crazy, you need to learn to renew your mind so that you can react biblically. Somebody asked me one time, and they were like, Todd, should I still do this, what the Bible says, even though I don't feel like it? Because I feel like I'd be a hypocrite. Like if, because I, I don't feel that way. I said, I don't care how you feel. You respond biblically. He goes, well, would I be a hypocrite? I said, no, you'd be wise. You'll be, you'll be better off. Your future will be more blessed. When you respond, as a matter of fact, isn't that the essence of what self-discipline is? Is when we respond in a way that we know is right, even when we don't want to or feel like it? Isn't self-discipline a fruit of the Spirit? This is what I want you to do. I want you to renew your mind so that you can respond biblically. Last scripture and I'm done. The Bible says this. James gives the most brilliant advice and practical advice on how to respond to circumstantial anger. Listen to this. Brothers and sisters, take a note. Now, that's very, very rare in scripture that you see that, like... Because you would think it's all good, right? Like this is the Bible. Should we take notes on all this? He goes, no, this is above and beyond. This is, this is the really good stuff. Take a note. Everyone, everybody say, that's me. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become what? Angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. You, you know what? This is why I said you need to renew your mind. The next time you have the opportunity, the circumstance presents itself for you to get angry, I want you to have your mind renewed. Meaning like when the moment comes, I want this scripture to pop into your head. This scripture, for those of you who fly off the handle and get angry, this should be the scripture that, that is in, like road rage people, you need to have this on a 3 by 5 note card and stick it in the little window there so you can't even see how fast you're going, but you see the Bible. Okay? For those of you who want to hit your computer, just put it in a little post-it thing right next to your computer. This is the, this is the scripture. This is the scripture. No, the one before that. Verse 19. This is the scripture that everyone should put to memory. That I should be what? I should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. You know what James is saying practically? This is the most practical thing in the world. The next time that you have a circumstance in which you're, you want to get crazy mad and get air rage. I don't even know what that is. Air rage, you want to cuss somebody out, flip somebody off, kick the cat, do what it next. I want you, this is the answer. Just slow down. That's what James said the answer was. Like, slow down, back off, take a step back, go take a slow down. You're tripping, slow down, and let your mind kick in. Here's what you need to know about anger. And I'm done. I keep saying that. I think it's my third time saying that. When you get so angry, do you know that you lose a, a certain percentage of brain function? You ever wonder why you did something incredibly stupid when you're at the height of your anger? You've lost brain function. This is measurable science. The level of brain function that you lose when you are at the peak of your anger would qualify you to be a mentally handicapped or retarded person. I'm not being crude. 
Which is why two married couples that are so angry at each other can't ever resolve anything because it's, it's the equivalent of two mentally handicapped people trying to figure out their problems together. It just doesn't work. So when you want to get angry, walk away, slow down. Because it will allow reason and wisdom to come to the forefront so that you can be angry, but don't get crazy. So you can be angry, but don't do something stupid. So you can be angry, but don't get violent. So you can be angry and respond biblically. Because the Bible says, this is what James says, human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Your anger is killing you, it is hurting the people around you, and it is separating you from your Heavenly Father. God can heal you today. Bow your heads with me, please. Everybody with your head bowed, eye closed, no one looking around. Here's the question. How many of you today say, I, I, I need some help? How many of you today say... I know that I struggle with anger. I want you to slip your hand up in the air. Just between you and God. I struggle with anger. Thank you. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Leave it up. That's okay. Leave it up. We're pretty close to that whole 50-50 thing. That makes you feel any better. Yeah. God, today, help us to know why we are angry. You can put your hand down now. But God, today, help us to know why we're angry. What did they take from us? Who took it from us? What was stolen from us? Why are we so... Some of you are angry at a parent. Some of you are angry at your kids. Some of you are angry at a, an old friend, a past relationship. You're angry because they took something from you. You didn't get what you wanted or maybe even what you deserved. And you are, some of you are justifiably angry. I wouldn't even take that away from you. I'm just telling you that God wants to heal your heart. I'm telling you that God wants to get you to a place where you can even still experience anger but not react the wrong way. And so, God, for those of us who raised our hands just a moment ago, God, we invite you in. God, help us to know why it is that we're angry. Help us to understand what it is that we've lost and to surrender it to you, to give it to you, to, to maybe begin to forgive the person that took it from us, God. God, for some of us, we just kind of fly out the handle in the moment. God, help us to renew our mind. God, to slow down, to be quick to listen, to be slow to speak, to slow everything down. So that we would be slow to get angry. When we get angry quick and we get angry hot and fast, I'm telling you, it always turns out wrong. It does not produce the righteousness that God desires. If you're in here today and you say, Todd, I need God in my life. I need God to bring peace in my heart. I'm so angry at different things that have happened to me. I need peace. If that's you today, it's time. God wants to heal your heart. God wants to come in. God wants to begin to restore. To put it all back together. So God, we as a people, we invite you in. Help us, Lord. We don't want to carry this baggage anymore. Father, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Are we all said? Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning?